With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. We're here. We're back. We told you we'd be back on the other side after two hours worth of post-fight press conference interviews, but we are here. It's a live UFC 274 post-fight show. What an interesting evening it was, and we're here to break down all the top storylines from a very strange night in, in Phoenix. Some ups, some downs. We're on a roller coaster ride, if we're being honest, throughout the entire main card. But happy to have you with us still. You guys are all animals if you're still joining us at this time, especially if you're on the East Coast. And we appreciate you. We got a whole crew here. I am Mike Heck. We got Jed Mishu. And we have been, I have been promised he has takes. So he is here. We got AK Lee. And we have our man on site, my fellow Baltarage member. Sean Alshadi. Sean, we're going to kick things off with you, my man, because we just heard from the now former lightweight champion of the world, who a guy who won the fight, by the way, got a submission win in the main event against Justin Gaethje, the now former champion, now officially the number one contender for the title that he was probably in the arena as champion longer than he wasn't, which is crazy. So... Your thoughts on Oliveira's performance and what this means for him, because we don't really start post-fight shows quite like this with this kind of scenario. Yeah, man. I mean, this to me was by far at this point the most impressive thing we have seen from this man. I'm starting to run out of superlatives uh, to explain Charles Oliveira and what he has become and really the monster that he has become for this lightweight division. But this, this, tonight was to me his masterpiece just when you consider what this man has gone through over the last 36 hours the absolute chaos he was having to deal with and having to deal with it all while having to deal with it, i'm sorry this distractions over here uh having to deal with it all while um 
having to face a monster like Justin Gaethje in the end, right? Like if we had said this in the preview show, but if you go into a fight with this much on your mind, if you were drafting lightweights that you would not want to face with this much on your mind, Justin Gaethje in my mind would be the number one pick. And Charles Oliveira went out there once again, and once again he got hurt. Uh, he got dropped, and he showed everybody the perseverance that we have come to know for him from him as the champion. And at this point, his resume is just starting to become absolutely absurd. The names on it, the records on it, just in terms of the all-time records uh, this man owns at age 36. Uh, his UFC career is so utterly unique and spectacular in just a really incredible way. Uh, and tonight was just, again, it felt like his masterpiece to go in there and mantle Justin Gaethje and finished Justin Gaethje in three minutes uh, in, in a fight where, again, he got dropped multiple times. Once again, I mean, we said this in the preview show, you, Justin Gaethje is, is someone who will finish the fights that, that if he gets you hurt. And once again, Charles just, uh, this version of Charles Oliveira just doesn't get finished. He's able to persevere, persevere through it all. So it really was just incredible. You were, you were cage side for the fight, right? You were watching it in the arena? Yes, yeah. Okay, so I remember when you guys were covering the Bellator card when Corey Anderson beat Ryan Bader and the Phoenix crowd was was none too pleased about the result and <laughs> things did not go very well and things were probably said that we cannot say here. I'm curious what the reaction was when this fight was over. When Charles Oliveira won the title and he left the cage and he started running out and celebrating the way that he did, what was the reaction in the arena? You could feel it some way on television, but you being out there as it's all happening, what was it like? I mean, I think I don't know that the arena was against him. Certainly, it felt like people were appreciative of what they had just seen, especially I'm sure we'll get to it after the co-main event really let a lot of people down. So uh, the arena certainly seemed appreciative of it. And just the moment itself of Charles running out there, standing on the cage, crouching and talking to Dana White, all of it. This this guy has handled this whole uh, saga in a very, I would say, professional manner. And maybe some people will say that's silly to say, hey, he missed weight. How are you going to call him a professional? But this isn't just an ordinary weight miss, right? I think we all can agree that there was just generally, the, everything about this was weird. Uh, everything about what this guy was dealing with was unprecedented. And for him to, again, come in uh, against one of the toughest opponents he could possibly face given the circumstances and, and just shine in a real, again, we've seen him over and over prove the star that he is. Uh, there is a champion of light, there is a lightweight champion of the world, and his name is Charles Oliveira. I totally butchered that. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on around me. I feel like I feel like we're all going to be saying that about ourselves for the next couple of weeks because that is like ingrained into my head right now. Uh, I know we don't have a lot of time with you, Shaheen. So, um, what do we do with Charles Oliveira? He's obviously in this number one contender fight whenever it happens. So I'm curious, Charles Oliveira versus Blank. Who do you think fills that blank at this point? Because you got options. You got Michael Chandler, who had a great performance. He's got an argument. You got Islam Makachev. You got Benil Dariush. I know the UFC wants to put those two guys together. Maybe they call an audible and take one of those guys. Maybe Connor comes back sooner than we think, and he gets the shot. How do, how do you think this plays out? How do I think it plays out, or how do I want it play out? Because those, to me, are two different questions. Um, how I would like it to play out would be Charles now fighting Islam Makachev. Because it feels like that would be the true test. I know we have Jed over here who thinks Islam's the best lightweight in the world. He said that for a long time. I'm sure there are other people who agree with him generally just within this sport. I mean, Islam is untouchable right now. It feels like he is that heir apparent to Habib Nurmagomedov. And that would be, to me, the true test that would really push this over to the edge. Uh, because we saw it tonight. I mean, Charles Oliveira, I asked him point blank, do you think you're becoming one of the all-time great lightweights? And he said yes. 
And I think it's very fair of him to say yes. It's hard to argue against that fact at this point. And if he goes in there and, and beats someone like Islam, who again looks so unbeatable right now, and ha- it just has that somewhat of that aura around him, that to me uh, would be incredibly, incredibly impressive and really push him into the next that next echelon when it comes to these all-time names when we're talking about lightweight. Uh, but the actual, to answer your actual question of what do I think will happen, I mean, I think there's a very decent chance that Conor McGregor comes in here and completely gets an undeserved title shot against this guy. We heard a lot from Conor McGregor tonight. Um, he was he was very vocal about a lot of things tonight, and we know that the UFC can't wait to slot him into a big spot like this uh, against a fight that might be somewhat winnable for him. Because again, I mean, Charles Oliveira gets hit a lot, and Conor McGregor can crack if nothing else. Uh, so there's a path to victory there for Connor, certainly. So, I mean, it, that's probably what I would expect to happen, but I hope that Islam does get that chance. We'll come back to the main event with the rest of the squad in a moment. But, Sean, if you could describe the co-main event between Carlos Esparza and Rose Namajunas. Of course, Carlos Esparza wins the title. She gets it back. Two-time champion. Weird fight. All, scorecards are all over the place on Twitter. But if you could describe this fight in one word, how would you describe it? And then elaborate, of course. <laughs> <laughs> one word. Um <laughs> happened because it happened <laughs> I, mean, I, I watched it like I, I didn't enjoy it but i watched it at some point i was kind of watching the wave that was going around the footprint center because there was a pretty lengthy wave uh that the crowd was doing to entertain themselves there was definitely how many things the crowd was doing <laughs> what's that how how many rotations around the center did the wave go Oh, it like lasted a, full a couple minutes. Three or four? It lasted, oh, wow. okay. it lasted a good couple minutes. It was several rotations. Uh, it's it's one of the most baffling performances I've seen from a UFC champion, and I think I'm not alone in that, right? I mean, you look at the first two rounds, Rose landed three strikes, or I'm sorry, seven strikes combined in the first two rounds, and it didn't pick up from there, and there was never a sense of urgency. We weren't able to hear in the arena what was going on in the corner, and I would be really interested to know what was going on in the corner, because at a certain point, you have to... I would imagine at a certain point, you have to change what you're doing. What you're doing is not working, and you're letting Carla steal this title away from you from with the barest of efforts really um i mean carla didn't even throw a takedown out there until the very end of the second round basically the whole thing was so incredibly strange there was just never a sense of urgency a sense of the moment a sense of what was going on especially from someone like rose who i think we really uh like her fight iq and her fight awareness is just one of her best strengths in there and it was just totally absent today. It was completely baffling. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, I spoke at length on the preview show about this is a very winnable fight for Carla. Like, a lot of people were sleeping on Carla coming into this fight. I didn't expect this. Like, this is how I expected Carla Esparza to, to be able to walk down her her wedding uh, with the belt in hand. That it, all of it is just incredibly baffling, man. And it, it, it's a weird it's going to ha- be a weird stain on on Rose Namajunas's legacy and it's funny because she almost identified this this week herself right she said something to the effect of i mean she went to the media day and spoke about legacy and wanting to be the goat and all of that and then later on in the week she sort of walked it back and saying you know people who start talking about this champions who start talking about this that's when they slip up and then it happened but it's just again the way it happened is just so so strange and i, I don't know man it's just maybe 
the worst UFC title fight of all time, or at least in the modern era. I think there's a couple other options out there, right? Like you could throw Izzy Romero out there. You could throw Tim Sylvia, Andre Alaski trilogy fight out there. Uh, but at least, at least like in either of those fights, there were instances where things happened and nothing really happened in this one other than Carla had a pretty cool suplex for like a half of a second in round four. But other than that, that was about it. And that didn't really lead anywhere. Like Rose just popped back up. So all of it was just incredibly strange. Sean, would it, would it surprise you to know that Rose's corner in fact did not spur urgency into her and was like, you're doing great. You're winning. (laughs) Cause no, Sure is. In the fifth round, Trevor Whitman was like, all right, now go go do stuff. But for the four, they were like, you're doing great. Doing great. You've got it right where you want her. You fig- figured out the range. It was incredible. I, I have immense respect for Trevor Whitman, and I'm not going to act like I know more than Trevor Whitman because that man knows more in his pinky than I will attain over the course of my entire lifetime when it comes to knowledge about mixed martial arts. So I'm not going to question Trevor Whitman. That I is am. surprising. That is incredibly surprising to hear. Well, I'm sure we'll talk more about that fight. Jed has promised takes specifically about that fight, and we can't wait to get into those. But, Sean, before we let you go, we oh, started don't on do a high it, Mike. note. Don't we had the co-main event, and I know you personally, this is a low note, but Michael Chandler, good Lord. Oh. I mean, we talk about performances, and Charles Oliveira certainly had a good one, but Michael Chandler had an A++++ night, did he not? I mean, not only did he deliver the knockout of the year, not only did he deliver one of the all-time great KOs we'll ever see in the UFC, but then he cuts one of the greatest promos in the history of the UFC. Promo of the year, knockout of the year, within a matter of three minutes, Sean. Rate this man's night, the promo, everything. Wax poetically about Michael Chandler. I know it hurts your feelings a little bit, but let's get we gotta put those feelings aside oh, for a moment. A little bit is an understatement, Mike Heck. Are you kidding me? Come on, man. Uh I have to say that we didn't get to hear the promo in the arena because the arena was so damn loud. Uh everything was drowned out. I didn't hear a word that guy said. I think he said something about Connor <laughs> at some point, but that was it. Otherwise, it definitely seemed like he was fired up. Um, yeah, man, that that fight was rough for someone like me who has been the driver of the tony ferguson bandwagon for close to a decade who was the last man standing on that bandwagon uh because i had five minutes there where i was kind of feeling pretty good about myself and i was kind of feeling like oh man pretty jazzed up right now like i'm gonna have a lot of uh to stuff to push into people's faces at the end of this fight tony's out here he's looking great tony that first round tony ferguson looked like if not vintage Tony Ferguson, he certainly looked like the best Tony Ferguson we have seen in quite a long time. He was slicing Chandler up. I mean, he was doing work from the bottom. He was really piecing him up on the feet. And then just it lasts 17 seconds into that second round. One of the most brutal knockouts I've ever seen in person. I've seen hundreds and thousands of fights live at this point in my life. And that is one of the most, like the gnarliest, just most visceral moments I can remember of a knockout. And it was scary cage sight. Because Tony Ferguson was down on the canvas for a long, long time. I don't know what they were showing on the broadcast, but Tony was down and not moving very much for quite a long time. Uh, And it took him a very long time to sort of get up, climb to his feet. And even when he was walking out, he did not look like he was still there. I mean, he he walked past us on press row, and he kind of stopped for a second after he passed me. And he looked up at the... uh, at the monitor to try to watch the knockout and kind of understand what happened. And he just did not look like Tony was there. Um, it's rough. 
it's rough when it comes to Tony. I mean, that this is a guy who's been in this lightweight division and been a factor in this lightweight division for, division for a long time. And this kind of did feel like the death knell on that, right? Like, I don't, that, it's hard to come back from a knockout like that. It's even harder to come back from a knockout like that after you've already taken so much damage and people were already questioning where you were in your career. So this does feel like the end for Tony Ferguson, at least when it comes to his career as a contender in this division. Uh, but for Michael Chandler, man, I mean, good God, like you you said it, Mike, A-plus performance. That man went out there and did everything he needed to do. And he, like, we're four fights into this UFC journey at this point. He might have the most exciting four-fight run uh, of any, you know, UFC newcomer to come in here and just unload like that. Like, it is just straight bangers every time we see Michael Chandler in the UFC. And he, again, has fashioned his his whole idea of michael chandler ufc fighter as just i'm your boss's favorite fighter i'm your favorite fighter's favorite fighter and it's it's working for him man he just had the fight of the year last year he probably is going to get knockout of the year or at least number two depending on w whether you like this or molly mccann's knockout better uh so man i mean michael chandler just came in here did work and he's he's leaving with a bunch of bonuses he even got the crypto bonus or second place on it and he's got options galore now in this 155 pound division Hundred uh, percent. Before I let you go, I see cords wrapping everywhere. You're probably going to get the boot in a matter of moments. So, biggest takeaway outside of the three fights is Shogun being booed. Do you want to cut a promo on people who are booing him? <laughs> what else stood out to you? What, what, what's the thing you'll outside of the three fights? What's the thing that that sticks in your mind the most that you'll remember the most about tonight? I'll tell you what, if I was at my house, I would cut a hell of a promo right now on the Phoenix people, but I can't really do that here. It's uh, It wouldn't be a professional setting uh, to do that, but my God, what are you doing, Phoenix? Come on, man, Shogun, who is a legend? What are you doing? This dude has given you so much entertainment and so much great stuff over the course of the last couple decades, and you're going to boo this man? I don't care if that's the most boring fight in the world. I don't care if he's out there doing a cosplay of Carlos Barza versus Rose Namajunas, too. Like, you just cannot boo that man. I'm going to come up to the stands and fight each and every one of you if you let me know you were one of the people booing. That was ridiculous. You should all be ashamed of yourself. And if we lose to the Dallas Mavericks in this series, it's because of you guys. You guys did this. Wow. I love how Sean was like, I'm not going to cut a promo because that wouldn't be professional. And then cut, <laughs> cuts one hell cuts of a, a promo. promo. <laughs> a not just promo. cuts a promo, one hell of a promo. <laughs> well, thank you. You're going to be like George Costanza now. You go out on a high note. Well done. I'm the old head, man. I, I, I'm the pride guy. Like, you can't be doing this disrespecting Shogun. Respect the legends, man. Ridiculous. Get out of here with that. I mean, how can we top that? I don't think we can. I don't think we can. Sean, tremendous work all week. Appreciate everything you did. Killed and it. Jose. Happy to have you back on site. You and Jose, of course. Jose is the is the monster behind the scenes. Stockton and Malone. I dug it. You guys did a tremendous job. Thank you for your hard work. Get some rest, my man. You deserve it. I appreciate you guys. And now you're leaving me wondering who's the Stockton and the Malone in that cat in that conversation, but we can leave that for a different day. Uh, would appreciate you fellows, and uh, thank you once again for for joining us. There he is, the uh, the legend himself, Shaheen Al Shadi. Tremendous job out in Phoenix, Arizona. We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet, up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, one no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. All right. So, I mean, where do we begin, gentlemen? We got Jed. We got AK. Jed, let's begin with you. Charles Oliveira beat Justin Gaethje, submitted him in the first round. I don't, I mean, I'm, I don't think you're like utterly shocked, but it doesn't seem like you saw this outcome coming. What did you think? Are you, su- how surprised are you? Are like, are you surprised? What did you think of the main event? Oliveira's performance, Gaethje's performance? I'm just going to let you go because you said you have takes, so take away. I am and I'm not surprised, right? So <clears throat> I am not surprised by the outcome because I think one of the, if not the most likely outcome, was that Chucky Olives tapped <laughs> tapped him. Like that's That just seemed very obviously one of the most likely scenarios. I am very surprised basically how easy he did it. And again... I could have been convinced that he could do it easily because if he just gets a body lock, trips Justin down, and then he hustles him on the floor, cool. But that is not at all what occurred here. What happened is the very first punch of the fight that he threw hurt Justin Gaethje. And from that moment on, Gaethje did not fight a composed Justin Gaethje fight that we have seen that kind of has led to this great run from him post the Eddie Alvarez, Dustin Poirier. He got really wild. He was just chucking haze, just throwing mitts, seeing what would stick and almost worked from a couple of times. You know, he dropped Oliveira twice though. I'll get to that more in a minute. It, it really was just that, you know, they talked all about coming in. Oliveira talked all about, I'm not going to be the one to take a step back. And he's damn sure. Right. Justin Gaethje is the one who backed up the whole fight. 
And that was a specifically a thing Gaethje said that he didn't want to do because he learned that in the Habib fight, he fought to stay away from him. And that's not, he wanted to create car crashes and engage and that's his style. But he ate that first shot, got put on skates and was immediately on the back foot the whole time. And Gaethje just never, uh, Oliver never gave, stepped off it. So, uh, not surprised by the outcome, really surprised by how easy it was for Oliveira to hurt Gaethje. And, uh, here, first big take of the thing, Justin Gaethje needs to retire. Um, he said when he came into the UFC that he didn't know how many knockouts he had in him, but there was a limit and he was going to figure it out. And then that was going to be the end of his career. And I think that fight of the year with Michael Chandler, to me, the, the, maybe the second biggest takeaway outside of some thoughts on Charles Oliveira is, oh, that fight with Chandler really took a took a toll on Gaethje that I don't think we were registering because I went I went back and rewatched it because we had to wait three hours for Charles Oliveira to decide to come speak to the press for four minutes, <laughs> um, so I didn't have anything else to do. But so I went rewatched the fight while I was waiting, um, and it's not like the world's cleanest punch that lands. It's just kind of a punch that lands and it immediately had Gaethje on skate. So uh, to me, I think there are like, I have really legitimate questions about his overall durability. He is still Justin Gaethje, but his style is one that will not work if he does not have a brick for a head. And I think that he should probably, I mean, he's not going to, and, be fine. I'll be happy. I will watch him fight anyone. As Jose says, I'll watch that man make a bowl of pudding. But I think there's a real chance that he is functionally done and we're about to find it out um, in a really, really harsh way. AK, welcome. That haircut oh, still looks magnificent. Oh, uh, we're going to be seeing a lot of each other over the next eight hours or so. Oh, By the way, God. on to the next one live, seven hours from right now. So stay tuned for that. Um, AK, you are a resident rules man. Rules rule. That is tattooed on your on your 18-inch biceps. Mm-hmm. Rules mm-hmm. rule, okay? Yeah. Charles Oliveira, not the champion anymore. Mm. He's the number one contender. Goes out there, finishes just finishes Justin Gaethje in the first round. Did it in convincing style. Your response to all of this. And him just not being the champion after all of this. Uh, listen, as I told Jed earlier, of course, uh, rules rule. But you know what else rules? Charles Oliveira friggin' rules. And, you know, I'm I'm very strict on uh, missing weight. I do do really hate it when people miss weight. Uh, I'm iffy on the whole scale controversy. Like, I do feel like it's based on, you know, the sort of testimonials we've heard and some people doing some sort of independent research and other sources – it does sound like there was a miscommunication, some kind of screw up with the scale at the, you know, the hotel and all that. But, but when, like, if that's the case and only two people miss, and then I know a lot of people were saying, um, so and so many people, there was, there was like a 0.5 difference. I don't think that, that that's that abnormal. I, I, I don't know why that kept getting brought up as a talking point. Um, if you go to other fight nights, a lot of people come in 0.5 over, uh, and it doesn't raise, it doesn't raise, uh, it doesn't, doesn't seem to be an issue. So I, I'm not, I'm not saying that I don't believe. Uh, that there was a problem with the scales because something was up. Um, but I don't know if that's why Charles Oliveira missed. He used a lot of time. Like, it's very weird to me that he uh, he, he missed by 0.5 the first time. That's fine. And then an hour later, there's just no way to cut that extra half pound. And what was he doing with that whole... Like, my point is the weight miss is not excusable. Sorry, too long. I was rambling there. The, the weight miss is not excusable. 
there has to but be. But it is. No, I mean, but it's not. But why? 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 I, no, I, I'm, I, I'm saying it is because you're about yeah. to make the case for exactly why. You oh, no, not at all. I'm saying, no, I'm saying I don't care about belts. Are, here's the other more important thing. Belts are props. Guys, belts are props. We all know this. Belts are props. It's it's now he's he has to play by the same rules as everybody else. I'm sure by the time he got into the cage with Justin Gaethje, if he was bigger at all, it was probably only by a pound or two. Like I bet their size is very, very, very similar. Um, I don't know for sure, but you can eyeball it. You can just figure out for the fact they normally weigh in around a similar weight. Um, so in that sense, it's it's a fair fight, right? But but I get it. We we have weigh-ins for a reason. If you start making an exception for half a pound, then why not make an exception for a whole pound or or a pound and a half, right? So you have to draw the line. There's a reason the line is where it is. Um, but again, I just don't care. I almost wish this is one instance where I wish Dana White had like abused his power and just been like, the belt's still on the line. Who cares? Uh, Char- Charles is going to pay uh, Justin 30% of his purse and, uh, and the belt's still on the line. Because this is a silly situation where we vacated the title when we clearly know Charles Oliveira is the best lightweight in the world. It, it, by any other name, but he just doesn't have a UFC belt around his waist now. Dana White even said at the post-fight press conference, "I'm probably still going to give him pay-per-view points." He's like, "He's like, I don't know, I don't know that for sure." But he's like, "Someone asked all the pay-per-view points." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, he's still going to get them." So literally, the belt meant nothing in, in this situation. It's cool to have. It's much more preferable if we say this was a an official UFC championship match. I get it. I understand it. I prefer it that way. But I mean, what? Guys, what are we what are we doing here? Like, what 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 is? What, are we really disputing that this guy's the best because of that half pound? I can't do it. I can't do it. Am I a Charles Oliveira, Mark? Sure, sure. I, I don't know. I can't speak to. I can't speak to another situation if this had happened to another weight class, maybe with other champions that I'm not as fond of or attached to. Uh, but in this case, I can say with confidence, like like we just don't need to make this a bigger deal than it is. Belts are props, guys. The UFC can make up any rules for them that they want. This is one situation where they should have just looked the other way and said, yeah, until we figure out what the hell is going on with the scale controversy, we're just going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say whether he missed or not, he's still the champ. The title's on the line. I'm going to put the belt around his waist at the end of the night. Who cares? <laughs> well, now that leaves a question, and AK, you and I are going to talk about this in a matter of hours, but mm. let me ask you, Jed. We have Charles Oliveira, not the champion. In his next fight, he will have the chance to win that title back if he makes weight and does everything he is supposed to do and follows the, the rules that rule. Could be hilarious. <laughs> but anyways, anyways, whether it be hilarious or not, whether he makes weight or not, it's besides the point. He's going to have to be scheduled to fight another person for this vacant title. So who's it going to be? Because he's got options. How are you doing this? Okay, uh, before I get that, I do want to say two very quick things. First, uh, I disagree with AK. I think this is actually the perfect, exact, correct outcome because I also do not care at all about the missing of weight, but I think that you 100% cannot set the precedent of, well, champions can miss weight, (laughs) and that's fine. I think that's a horrible precedent to set for them to be like, eh, we're just giving the belt anyway. It's cool. No champion ever has to make weight again. We'll just take 30% of their purse and they cannot do it. I holistically won't care about that because, again, I don't really care about weight classes. but Or belts. I, I would imagine you don't care about belts either. Who cares? What does the, what does the belt mean in this situation? Well, Nothing. I'm, I, I mean, it's cool. It's a cool thing to have. But sure. I, I think if you're, if you're creating worlds, you just need to live in like where these rules exist. You kind of have to do it. And this is a fine outcome. Like – 
I think it is the correct one for what's happened because I now stand very firmly in the camp that Oliveira simply could not make the weight because 28 other fighters did. He had an extra hour and shedded zero weight, so he just couldn't do it. And that's okay. Sometimes it happens. Uh, second, I think the thing we're not talking about, and I don't know why, because it is easily the biggest, outside of like the top three fights, I think the biggest storyline is that Charles Oliveira has has gamed the system. He has figured out the the Rubik's Cube. He has the Rosetta Stone. Because if you are a champion in the UFC, like say Francis Ngannou, and you're at your last fight, you know what you can do to get out of that champion's claws? You can intentionally blow weight and you lose the belt. And then you can still go fight and win and you're just the number one contender, but there's no longer a champion's clause in effect for you, so you can go do whatever the hell you want to do. And we're not talking about how Charles Oliveira has changed the UFC game. So everyone just give the man credit, because in the future, it's very important. There's, there's a uh, flaw in this logic, and that's that. Hold on. Well, that, let's not. Okay, well, yeah. all right. Let's no, don't, don't applaud. Fine. Don't applaud. There, there's a flaw in this logic. If that were the case, and as Dana White and everyone else knew that that's, that's what was up, they would just say, oh, no, the belt's on the line. You're still the champion. It's a prop. They can do whatever they want. Okay. Again, you're acting like they, they think they have I to mean, acknowledge precedent. They don't care. They're going to do whatever's best for the company. I mean, sure, but then you've, you've still lost nothing. You, you have not cut weight for actual almost no disadvantage other than a slight fine. I think it's a great thing. Anyway, we spent too much time on the weight thing, which we talked about beforehand, and I just don't care about. Uh, if I'm in charge, Islamakjev gets the title shot because I think he's actually the best lightweight in the world. I will pick him to beat Charles over there when they fight, um, and that fight's awesome. So that's what I would do, but Conor Murray is going to get it, and that's also fine. Like, get Chucky Olives that payday, man. There you go. And we'll see what happens to Justin Gaethje. Again, we will talk about matchmaking in a little while. On on to the next one. Let us move on. Let us move on to the co-main event. Jed's got takes about this one, too. Carl Esparza defeats Rose Nabiudis in the strangest, one of the strangest title fights you'll ever see. Scorecards are literally everywhere. And nobody's really wrong and no one can really be upset about being wrong. It's just one of those weird fights where even the judges are like, we can't screw this up at all. Like no one's going to call my name out when the scorecards are read. No one's going to blast me on Twitter and call me out because the fight was awful. It was a t- awful fight. Both fighters basically admitted it was an awful fight. So I'm not saying anything that's going to hurt anybody's feelings or that they haven't said themselves. Carla wins. She's the champion. She gets to go get married next week with the title. She's got like no marks on her face. This is the best case scenario for her. But Jed, your reaction to the fight, the judging, Esparza getting the title, all of it. I couldn't care less about the judging. Um, I do. It's weird that someone gave Carla four rounds, but also who cares? Like, who it's the worst fight I've seen in probably 10 years. Like I'm, and that's not being hyperbolic. I cannot think of a fight that was less interesting to watch than that one. Um, and if you can think of one, I'll be happy to try and remember if that was worse. But the two that like I've seen immediately thrown out, uh, Izzy and Yoel, uh, I was oddly into that fight, even though I recognize it's like objectively not that entertaining, but it also had moments that were fun. 
uh, and uh, in Ganu Lewis, which was also just a horror show. Don't get me wrong, but it was only three rounds. And there was at least the idea that at some point someone might die. Whereas it was just like, Oh no, they're not going to come near each other for the next 25 minutes. Almost immediately. It was like, yeah, they're just not trying to fight each other. This is a dance. Cool. Um, so that fight was terrible. Um, I good for, you know, Carlos Barza that it, it worked out for her. Um, it's one of those things where it was a good strategy because she, because the result was good, but I'm not confident that that was a great strategy for it to do simply because doing anything else could have made it a little clearer for her. But again, you can't knock what happened. She got, she got the result she wanted and the fight was so bad that she's not going to have to fight Rose again. <laughs> like it's, they're just not going to book that again. Because you can't like that is anathema to the eyeballs. So now she'll get to fight Marina Rodriguez, who she you know she has a win over or whatever. So um, that's it's great for Sparza. All my takes are about Rose and the cornering and uh, Rose's like very weird post fight interview where she said like stuff that's objectively wrong and also just like got mad that that she won the fight but like how can you be mad that you won the fight because nobody won that fight and it wasn't even really a fight it's just like uh, her whole post fight was really really weird because it's it is like the most salty we've ever seen her um and it's just it's it was an odd look to be salty about something that was entirely within your control <laughs> it's it was pretty evident after the second round that she could come and engage Carla and maybe she'd have given up some more takedowns, but Carla had so little success with the wrestling in those spots that really Rose should have immediately taken that as confidence to be like, ah, oh, cool. I'm just going to come blow the doors off you now. And instead she just was like, nah, I'm going to keep not going near you. And so I said this, uh, the official MMA fighting scorecard is that this was a draw and I stand by it by the way we score fights or whatever. But if anyone, ha if you had to pick someone who won that fight, I would say Carla won it because Carla at least kind of looked like she wanted to be involved in a fight at points. Whereas Rose really just looked like she didn't want to lose. And it's, she is such an interesting career that I'm going to spend a lot of time trying to delve into because it's really, really weird. Yeah. I think that's uh the journey of Rose Namajunas will be a really interesting tale. Like a 30 for 30 on Rose will be really fascinating when her career comes to an end. She's just been on sort of this weird ride of being champion and the mentality of being a champion. And we thought she was kind of over some of those hurdles and maybe she's not, I don't know. I don't know what happened to her. And I know Casey, we talked to, I, I know when we're on the, the people's pre-fight show, Casey basically said that, no matter what happens here, if Carla wins, we're going to look at it more as a off night for Rose more than a great night for Carla. And I feel like that's the case here. What say you? It was you, an off I night know, for both of them. <laughs> yeah, it was an off night for, for everybody involved. The coaches, the corners, everybody. It was an off night for everyone. But Even Keith Peterson. Hey, Keith Peterson doesn't get off the hook here either. No, <laughs> yeah, he was fight, terrible. Keith. Keith Peterson's awful. The judges may get, may get a pass. Keith Peterson is not. He woke up and chose all the nonsense today. He woke up and chose, <laughs> he chose all. not like violence. Every bit of nonsense. Yeah, all the nonsense. 
every piece of that. He went to the cabinet and got crumbs of nonsense and put it in his pocket and brought it to Phoenix with him today. He was horrendous in this fight. I gave Jason Herzog a lot of shine last week. I give Keith Peterson no shine this week. You were really bad in this fight. You should be ashamed of yourself. AK, your thoughts? Carlos Spars is the champion. And you're the, yes. you're our ultimate fighter guy. Yes. This must be a, a, a very significant thing for you. Well, <laughs> I'll say this. <laughs> I'll say this. Uh, so I, I was kind of half watching because I was uh, I was on Canelo, a Canelo Bivol duty. So I was mostly paying attention to that. So I had, of course, the the Rose and Carla fight in another window. And like I was kind of glancing back around right that. And I thought I was just missing stuff. Like I was kind of look back and like, oh, I must be. Uh, oh d- darn! I must have missed like anything happening, and I and I so I just I didn't assume it was that bad until like I started checking the you know the Twitter uh, feed head you know the social media feed, and then it was like just everyone going like what is happening? What is this? This is the worst. <laughs> this is the worst thing I've ever seen. This horrible. And I was like, damn! Like this must be this must be real bad. Um, yeah. L- listen. Uh, so so I, I was gonna say now I guess we know why we owe Dana White an apology. You know, for for months we were like, why is Dana White not booking this rematch? Perhaps he. He foresaw this staring contest, but uh, no. But how could he? I mean, the, the first fight was completely different um, when they fought. What is it? Seven, seven, some years ago, something like that. Um, you know, Carlo was actually much, obviously much more advanced at that point, uh, both in skill set and even even physically, even even maturity wise. Uh, Rose was still in her early twenties when that fight happened, so it was like a younger woman facing like a this fully grown prime adult who had, had way more experience and fought better competition. So, I mean, Carlo dominated the first fight. I have to believe that that affects a fighter, that that has some effect on Rose's game plan. Um, there is that mental hurdle you have to get over. Some people would see that challenge and, again, approach it a different way, approach it more aggressively. Others would be like, man, I remember what happened the first time. I got taken down. I got dominated. I just – whatever happens, I can't have that happen again. Um, and then in your mind, it's like you're just going – and then your coaches, and then you add in the coaches saying, oh, you're doing great. You, you know, you're, you're, you're winning the fight. You're up three rounds to none or whatever. And then up until the end when they kind of told to finally, you know – Put the put the pedal to the metal. So all th- this ha- this was a mental thing. I mean, this is clearly a mental thing. I, I guess on both their parts, like we said, it's not like Carlos Sparza was uh, was you know re- was bum rushing her and like you know it, it was like a Nate Quarry uh, Caleb Starnes thing. Um, both women, it takes two to tango. It takes two to have a bad fight. Uh, both women, it, w- it wasn't their best night. Carlos Sparza obviously can look back on it a little more fondly, um, and and I think we should be really happy for her because she did fight her way back the hard way. I think anyone who saw her, remember she did had no title defenses. Her first title defense was against Joanna uh, Jacek. I think anyone who saw that fight would have said, "Well, that's the last time we're seeing Carlos Barza fight for the title again." Like she was just so outclassed in that fight. And then there's sort of mixed results. She's got some weird losses in there. I think like our lost like Ronda Marcos is in there. Uh, a close win over Marina Rodriguez. So it wasn't like this. She rocketed back to another title opportunity, but she certainly grinded and grinded and grinded. Uh, came off that big win against Jan Shonan, huge statement win, the kind of win that Marina Rodriguez needs, to be honest with you, if she's going to get that title shot. Uh, and and for her to be a two-time champion and the longest gap ever between title reigns for uh, a separate title reigns for a US champion is pretty crazy. Seven years, something like that. I don't think anyone's even close. So it's a great story. It's a great story. It's unfortunate it happened that it will forever, forever be tied to this atrocious fight. Hey, atrocious aside, Carlos Suarza doesn't care what I say, you say, Jed says, or anybody else says. She can wipe her tears with with that gold title belt and uh, a wedding veil. But she's and, taking down the aisle. 
She's yeah. getting married. And she's getting married. Everything's coming up Millhouse for uh, Carlos Barza. That's great. <laughs> uh, well said. Well said. Let's move on. Um, again, matchmaking later on. I'm just plugging away at Otno here. Um, Michael Chandler, Jen Bishu, your favorite fighter of all time, Michael Chandler. I know you were looking forward to this fight. You have immense respect and admiration for both of these guys heading in, Michael Chandler and Tony Ferguson. You have sang their praises on BTL since I started with MMA fighting, and I know you are so much looking forward to this matchup in the featured spot. And we're waiting to see what kind of Tony Ferguson we were going to get. Were we at least going to get a competitive Tony Ferguson? Because this is a guy who hasn't not just lost these last three fights, he hasn't won a round in these three fights. He has just been run over. And then Tony Ferguson comes out and he drops Michael Chandler. And he gets on him. And then Chandler gets him down. Once he gets back to his feet, gets a takedown. He's trying to land ground and pound. Tony's on his back, slicing him with elbows. And we're all thinking to ourselves, Tony's up around here. All three judges scored the first round for Tony Ferguson. And then the second round starts, and Michael Chandler's foot goes flying into the jaw of Tony Ferguson, and he is out like a light. This was unbelievable. Michael Chandler gets a massive victory. His two-fight losing streak is over. His streak of exciting fights continue on inside the octagon. Do you are you backing are you backing away from the Chandler take it all or? What do you think here? Is, are we moving forward with this? Are you and Chandler going to break bread someday after this performance? So first things first, <laughs> this was what I thought Tony was going to look like. I thought that he was going to come out and do a lot better than people expected. And I think if this was four years ago, Tony probably wins that fight. Cause once he hurts Chandler, he goes about finishing him in a much more effective way than he did. Second, I'm going to do something I've never done before, and that's mm. back off. That's back off a take, <laughs> because Michael Chandler does not suck. Uh, it's it would be folly to continue to espouse that. When I will say that uh, our great colleague, <laughs> the legend Shaheen Al Shadi, who erroneously claimed that Michael Chandler may have the greatest entry to the UFC, you know, first four fights. Um, that's a wrong take, and I want to be super clear that that's a wrong take. But he maybe have the second because look again. I'm no longer Michael Chandler doesn't suck. He he doesn't suck. I'm no longer saying Michael Chandler sucks, but give give due respect to the man who got killed in the main event. Justin Gaethje came into the UFC, and his first four fights were Michael. J- Johnson, Eddie Alvarez, Dustin Poirier, and James Vick. In case you forgot, the Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier fights were the two fights of the year, and the Michael Johnson fight was the second best fight of 2017 behind the Eddie Alvarez fight, and the James Vick was one of the best KOs of that year. So that's the top, that's the best entry, but Chandler's got number two, and because of that, he officially doesn't suck anymore. I don't know when he stopped sucking, sometime between getting his doors blown off by a bantamweight and Patricio <laughs> Pitbull and coming to the UFC somewhere in there. I don't know. It's hard to pinpoint exactly, but I have been wrong certainly for at least the last fight and a half about him sucking because he does not suck. Wow. I mean, 
I've been humbled by the sheer brutality that man has brought in his UFC tenure. AK, let me ask you a simple question here. I'm going to I'm going to paint a picture cuz we just watched Molly McCann land a spinning elbow from hell mm-hmm. at UFC London and the crowd erupted and we were all saying this is going to be a knockout of the year. This is it. Nothing's going to top this. Here we are less than 2 months later and Michael Chandler said hold my beer Molly. I'm going to throw this kick to the face of Tony Ferguson. Is this a knockout of the year? Is Molly in second place now? Well, uh, it should be because I think if we take into account uh, quality of competition, Luana Carolina, great fighter. I think Tony Ferguson is someone, even during his, uh, you know, in this slump, I think is someone we would rank a bit higher than Luana Carolina. We, we, you know, um, we'd rate him higher. So by that, and also the uh, the benefit of what happened in the first round, it was kind of a comeback, right? I mean, Ferguson was, you know, had people bang Chandler up in that first round, right? So the comeback element adds to it. It's it's just a better it's just a kind of a better story overall and um and again uh Tony Ferguson Loana Carolina we're gonna remember that Tony that Tony Ferguson that part of the equation matters I would be surprised if most of you asked them about the Molly McCann KO if they could immediately remember who it was she KO'd I'll be honest I just looked it up um but Tony Ferguson sadly gosh we're gonna remember and the picture once again the the front kick duck face that happened to uh. Frankie Edgar against Cheeto Vera. Yes, I acknowledge its existence. So that that's my one thing against it. I'm like, is we gotta ban we gotta ban these, right? I think we have to ban front kicks to the face. This is a t- listen. These front <gasps> kicks were meant to you know you kick the body, you create some space, you 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 back the other person up, you kind of See? send a message, a range finder. When did we start kicking people in the face like that? This is horrible. Why 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 are we doing this? So we're clear. You want us to have more OSP, less Michael Chandler in our lives. Yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. More okay. OSP, less Michael Chandler, okay. less Cheeto Vera, less certainly less Anderson Silva, Leona Machida. We got to ban the front kick to the face. Have you seen what it's doing to people's heads? It's changing, guys. It's changing their head shape. Even if it's even if it's changing their head shape for literally like a flash of a second, like a quarter of a second. I'm not a doctor. But I think you are not supposed to have your head shape forcibly changed ever. I don't think it's good for your brain. I don't think it's good for any part of your body. Uh, I get it. We see head kicks happen all the time too. But there's something about that front kick when it lands like right on the chin or right in the face. It just seems so much more brutal. Um, The way Tony fell made it look worse too. Uh, Listen, this is the knockout of the year. I say this begrudgingly just because, again, uh, it's such a a horrifying technique. People are worried about calf kicks. They're like, oh, they should ban the calf kick. Let's get rid of these. I don't want to see people kick in the face anymore. And the and the horrible freeze frame Te- technology has gone too far. We shouldn't even be able to capture these moments. Horrifying. Well, the good news, Tony Ferguson, if there's silver lining, uh, he went to the hospital. We did not see him, obviously, uh, speak to the media at all. CT scans negative, released from the hospital. So I guess if we're going to find the silver lining in all of this, he's okay. So that's good. And he also won his first round in three years. That's not a lot, but silver linings are thin on the ground for T-Ferg these days. That's right. Ah, Michael Chandler has some options here. I loved the promo after he planted a lot of seeds, even throughout the week. Wait, you didn't like the promo, Jen? Not a fan. That was fine, but also 
he should have just done the Conor McGregor thing. Like he's not getting a title fight. So that is just him yelling kind of wastefully. Like he'd just be all in on the Conor thing because that's, that's the fight that they should make. Frankly, I don't think, like I said, I don't think it is. I think Conor is going to get a lightweight title shot, but he has a much better shot of that than getting a rematch against Charles Oliveira or Justin Gaethje had Gaethje won that fight. So, I mean, otherwise, A+. plus. Um, yell, people love yelling. Big fans of yelling, and he yelled so very hard. So, yeah. Last thing on this. Um, I'm going to save this. AK, I'm going to save this question for you for tomorrow or for later on this morning. What's next for Tony Ferguson, Jed? Besides time off, obviously. And wow, what has happened? I got very small. Jed is now. Yeah, he's you're still, a Twitter. You can, you can still see me. <laughs> now he's a, he's a Twitter profile. Hey, oh my God, Jed, are you okay? Oh, gosh. Wow. Amazing. He became an actual um, Twitter, like living, breathing I, Twitter profile for a second. What was that like? I just got Mike TV'd. That was, uh, <laughs> that that was very different. That, wow. Well done. So to, to go back, you said you felt Justin Gage should retire. You felt he oh, yeah. retired. Tony Ferguson needs to, needs to leave. <laughs> he needs to be done now. Um, because coming into this fight, the thing that I was saying is, you know, for all his foibles and problems in the last few fights, Tony Ferguson has not actually been like getting rocked all that much. Like he went five rounds with Gaethje and it was just a totality of the damage that finally got him out in the fifth. But, you know, it's not like he was getting blown up blown up uh but he just got blown up in what probably will be the ko of the year though i still think i give it to molly mccann but i'm starting to rethink that maybe i'm just wrong on that position as well uh but you know he got he got blown up blown up and was if they had shown the whole time he was on the floor i'm sure that would have been one of the scariest ko's we've ever seen because he was down for like three minutes based on my quick math from when they were like Oh, he finally got up now. Good. So, yeah, he needs to. He's, he wasn't getting back to a title anyway, but he's really not now. He's 38, just got his doors blown up. Just hang it up, man. Uh, he's unhappy with the UFC. So go do other things. Um, preferably those things that will not jeopardize your mental and physical health moving forward. Rest of the main card Ovin St. Pru and Shogun Hua. Robbery. <laughs> that fight was a thing. Uh, Randy Brown, Cass Williams, fun fight. Randy Brown gets a split decision win. Wolfpack cashes the bet. Nice job, Wolf, Jed and Wolfpack, Connor. Wolfpack wager hit. We didn't do great the rest of the card, but way to go. Randy Brown, do the damn thing. Yes, that was on the main card because Don Cerrone, out of the card, fell ill. Dana White said at the post-fight press conference that uh, Cerrone went out and ate some tacos somewhere in Phoenix and got some a little bit of food poisoning, it sounds like. So they're hoping to rebook that fight with Joe Lozon. Dana White was saying that he talked to Joe and Joe's not sure it happens because he doesn't know if Cerrone will cut back down to 155. So maybe Joe will want to do it at 170. Who knows? Uh, Francisco Trinaldo, the ageless Francisco Trinaldo gets it done. Macy Chieson, she won. Brandon Royval. Bonus earnings submission win. Uh, Blagoy Ivanov, <laughs> he won. Uh, Andre Fialo, credible knockout. Tracy Cortez, good win. I No offense, Tracy Cortez. This is a Melissa Gatto giving a fight away kind of a performance. Tracy, tough as hell. Great job. Great defensive stuff because Melissa was trying for things, but I felt like this is a fight that Melissa could have won 
pretty clearly and good on Tracy Cortez to take advantage of that. Uh, CJ Vergara, good win. First UFC win. Lupi Godinez, phenomenal performance tonight. She's not even going to get really talked about in the aftermath of this card, but she really should be because that was a dominant performance against Ariane Carnalosi and then Journey Newsom. Nice, patient performance for a guy that's usually really, I don't know if reckless is the word, but a guy just comes out, like Jed likes to say, he's either uh, God or get God. And tonight was holy. Get or get God. Get or get God. Journey Newsom was not that today, and he gets a victory. Uh, his first official UFC victory because his first actual win, the technical actual win, was uh, was taken away for a little bit of the ganj. So this hopefully is, if, if all the tests are passed, this will go down as a as the first official UFC win for Journey Newsom. So there you go. Uh, let's go to the peeps. Let's go to the peeps. Can I just say I am heartened by some of the comments uh, agreeing. Some people I see some people saying ban uppercuts and knees. I'm in full agreement with that. Very very dangerous techniques. Uh, someone said that overhand rights. Mm. Tell you, you see those overhand rights sometimes. They're thrown with real malice. I don't like that. Someone said a uh, boxing, just like just ban punching. Uh, again, I was covering the boxing today, and that was something that crossed my mind. I was like, this is really cool. Like a little too much punching. Little on too much this. Punching. On this note, AK, I do have mm-hmm. a question for you because mm-hmm. going back to an earlier conversation, rules rule, but Charles mm-hmm. Oliveira rules more. Correct. Um, why? Because if there's a man who mixes the martial arts more than Charles Oliveira, I, I'm not sure I know I, him. I don't want to hear and, this. I don't want to hear this. And as we all know, Listen. you would like to keep the martial arts apart. I, yeah, uh, hold on. Nick says ban all significant strikes. I agree. I'm really more of an insignificant strike fan. Um, uh, regarding- oh, oh, did I have a strawweight title fight for you, my good sir? <laughs> I heard there was no strikes in that. That sounds distressing. <laughs> oh, no, there I were a so. lot of strikes. They both threw uh, over 100 and landed 30 apiece. Someone just said ban Charles Oliveira. That's probably actually good for the rest of the lightweight division. That's actually probably good. Yeah. No, see, you know what? Though? No, th- Jed, this fight was won by Jiu-Jitsu. All right. All the yeah, yeah, listen, he he landed some bombs. You might call this a, a classic clubbing and subbing. I don't know. But at the end of the day, Jed, it was jujitsu that got the win here. All right. He didn't need to punch him. I mean, good for him. He mixed it in there. He thought he, you know, he showed off his stand-up. It's good for Charles. He likes to show that stuff up. He wanted to. Charles was getting a lot of ta- he was getting a lot of takedowns before he, the- before he knocked Justin Gaethje's head through the back that's, of his Yeah, listen, that's for the fans. All right. The mixing of the marks, but it, so in that, him and I disagree philosophically, but I'm still a fan. I, I, you are somewhat right. I do wish you would mix the martial arts a little bit less. You got all that jujitsu, just use it. But. Oh, real quick. You did mention boxing in the sweet science. You were on Canelo duty. I was. Talk about the fight real quick before you go to man, the peeps. Great performance by uh, Dimitri Bivol, for sure, man, for sure. The, 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 the story, he was always, he was being viewed as a live dog. Um, Canelo, pretty big favorite, plus five hundred around there for, on most betting sites. Uh, so, I mean, a, a big favorite, but not like not like a double digit. You didn't need like plus one thousand. There was a, there was a lot of people. Excuse me, minus one thousand. There was a lot of people uh, who said size for sure. I mean, this is light heavyweight. This is as big as uh, as Canelo gets. Um, he's had difficulties against like guys who are with with clear uh, physical advantages, like Golovkin. He had some difficulty with. Um, uh, was it Serge uh, Kovalev? Um, he won that fight by knocking him out, but he had trouble. He had trouble. He's a bit of a slow starter. So all these things were kind of like working against him. Um, but, you know, because he's Canelo, obviously he's still going to be a massive favorite. And most of the predictions were, were for Canelo. But I didn't see anyone like ruling out Bivol. I, I saw very few people saying like, oh, yeah, he's going to run through this guy. They're like, this is, a, this is a real challenge for him. Like he has to be at his 
like he has to be at his his best to beat this guy. This isn't a, like just a walkthrough. And sure enough, um, he had his difficulties. Uh, Bivol's jab was awesome. His whole game plan, his whole strategy was perfect and perfectly executed. Uh, his deep, his defense was fantastic. He had a beautiful guard, which was just which was uh, covering most of his body because he knew Canelo was going to try and kind of just get around that, get around getting close and bang up his body. That's all the success Canelo had, but it wasn't enough. And and eventually, when Canelo would even get a body shot in, uh, Bibble was right there uh, countering with like combination. He would, he would respond with combinations, which looked great to the judges, which did legitimate damage. Frustrated Canelo, you could see him getting pissed. Like he he just really couldn't figure out how to get anything going against this guy. So um, great performance by Bibble. I I don't want to. I don't know if people want to say like, oh, Canelo is. I mean, I think he's still in his prime. So I just think it was a, it was a tough opponent. I think all the credit goes to Bibble. I don't think this says anything about Canelo being on a downslide or anything like that. Um, again, he just this is this is as big as he should go. Bivol was way way bigger than him, and also in this case, I would say the more skilled fighter. So it's it wasn't just a size thing. I think he looked great and uh, just the second loss of Canelo's career. So you know these things happen in boxing. Um, maybe he shouldn't. Maybe this was not a great opponent for Canelo to take, but. They said he likes challenges, and uh, you're going to take a loss sometimes. We do these things, so good for Bivol and Canelo will be back. So I didn't see any of it, and I do have one question for you, AK. Mm-hmm. Um, was Canelo's performance? Do you think it was in any way impacted by thinking about Kamaru Usman and wanting to box him? Absolutely, oh, 100 percent. I mean, look, <laughs> Usman was in his head, right? <laughs> Listen, he was. I think I think the problem is I think he's downgraded his training in preparation for an Usman fight. I think you're I think you're right. I think he was like this. This is as good as I need to be like to beat Kamara Usman, and really he needs to be up here to beat to beat Bivol. Uh, and uh, he clearly wasn't there. And again, this is a credit to Bivol. This is I think how good Bivol Bivol is, and um, at least again facing someone who had quite a bit of size on, quite a bit of weight on. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Let's hope that this is the end of the Usman talk for now. Uh, Usman Bivol. Uh, was, hey, listen, that's the fight to make, right? Yeah, I really I never got into that talk. Uh, I'd be happy if Usman got one of those fights, obviously, get himself a payday. But I think for any fans who are tired of hearing that crossover talk with him and Canelo or anybody, you'll be okay for the next little while. I don't think it's going to come up. Eh, maybe. I oh, mean, no. listen, he's, he's just no. going to keep doing it. No. Oh, no. Listen, listen. For sure. it, was, it, it was. It was Usman's tweet about getting locked into a room and who's the one man who would come out of the locked room. That was the, the dumbest tweet, tweet of him. all time. I know. It's the and dumbest now he's gonna, tweet. And now he's going to swivel the bivel. There you go. By the way, before we get to the peeps, uh, Sean El Shadi, the great Sean El Shadi, just put it on a tweet about a minute ago. Carlos Barza and Rose Dami Yunus landed a combined 68 strikes in 25 minutes tonight. Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje nearly matched that total in a little over three minutes. There you go. A little statistical uh, stuff for you. Let's go to the peeps. Take and how great, is it, how, how great is it that the fight of the night was what, like two and a half minutes long or something? Or less than two, less than two and a half minutes long. Good. I love That's that. That's right. I, I, and that, I wish they who, would give who more. Who won that fight? Who won that fight? Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, it is nice. not the year of the raw dog. It might be. It's it not the year of the raw sir. dog. You're wrong. I made a tactical mistake thinking that there would be four performance of the nights instead of a fight of the night because I was halfway right, whereas there was no – like there shouldn't have been a fight of the night. There just weren't four people to give performance bonuses to. So they gave Matt Schnell one instead. Oh, no. 
actually. The person that I'm happy got Matt it. Schnell got, got a fight, all right, and and, and a fifty thousand dollar bonus. So good for him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that guy just cannot get in the cage. Oh, I also realized this, Mike. Remember when we were doing? Actually, maybe you weren't there. AK, it was. I think it was a ranking show when we did uh over under champions who mm-hmm. cha- new new champions. Was it a ranking show or maybe it was just something else we were doing? I don't remember. Uh, it was. And I uh, picked, it was part of the ranking show. Yeah. Was it? I picked over the two and a half, and that's probably yeah. wrong, but it actually might push because Oliveira is not the lightweight champion uh-huh. and as far as a one that's, that's so only one though that's it's one and a half ish because all the there's no there is, new champion. there's no down. new there's champion. no there's no new champion but there's also not the same champion so that feels like a half so if if yiri beats glover that's that's right on the two and a half line mm. i don't think it's a half. I, that's why we have halves. I, I understand that's your why logic. we have halves I feel like that. I feel like that counts as a half in this yeah, yeah, scenario. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm looking at DraftKings right now. Yeah, it's definitely. <laughs> They're saying it's, it's, it's right here. DraftKings for all your betting needs. There you go. Um, all right. Uh, real quick, because we're not going to talk about it, but I just have to talk about it because I was so impressed by her performance tonight. Yeah, you should have got her man the car. What's her ceiling? She was flowing tonight. AK probably hated it. But she mixed the martial arts. She didn't uh, actually the biggest she, troll. She, didn't, she didn't do a lot of that. Mixing martial arts. I mean, she mixed them a oh, little. No, bit. no. I thought she did a great job actually of, of mixing the martial arts. That's why I wanted to talk about because she did such a good job of her striking and controlling her wrestling and her grappling. I thought it was like one of the best mixes of the martial arts of, of the night. Honestly, I would. I mean, of the night, sure. But I, she really struck for like. I mean, she she rocked Carnalosi or whatever in the second round, for sure. But other than that, she just tackled her and hustled her on the floor. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I just thought it was a great just a performance from con- using control but submissions with ground unbelievable and performance. Yeah, it's just but. and 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 everything she and when she was on her feet, she just nailed her nailed her. Uh, who's her opponent? Um, Ariani. Ariani Carnalosi. Yeah, just. I thought she deserved the performance bonus. Um, take away from Matt Schnell, give it to Loopy. And that's enough for her. Don't you take anything away from Matt Schnell. The guy can bar- the guy barely fights, Casey. He needs this. <laughs> All right. Uh, I know we kind of went on talked about this, but I think he deserves his comment up here. Chad, what can you say about Chandler now? You oh, he's not going to be champion, started. but he doesn't suck. I, I agreed. He doesn't suck. He's not going to be he's, champion. And that's okay. Most He's people in the world aren't champion. <laughs> Charles Oliveira is not a champion right now. Charles Oliveira right actually, now, we're being honest. Yeah. I mean, technically, he's not he's not right in the world is not the champion. <laughs> so, but like real talk, Chandler's really fun. This is going to end very quickly because he just can't. You can't fight like this and and have long term success, especially at like thirty five or whatever he is. He keeps getting hit very hard in fights and that is not repeatable can i can i can i uh tell people where you have chandler in your rankings jed can i can i go to inside baseball here sure i don't remember i think i have him fairly high you have him pretty highly yeah that's what i'm saying i so you know i i think you have a, a beef with uh with michael chandler but when it comes to professionally doing your rankings you're pretty respectful you you have Look, him 
I think where he belongs. Fifth. You have him in fifth. He, where, do, where do we people all have don't him? understand we're all that you that can – People just don't get that you can suck and be really good, but you can still <laughs> suck. I guess I just – it's huh? just it's it's a feeling, not so much a okay. outcome. It's not like, qualitative. It's not qualitative. Is what you're saying? No, yeah. It's like barely. he ob- okay. obviously he is one of the ten best or better 155 pound fighters in the world, and he doesn't suck. But previously he did, and that's all I was saying. But I, I don't think. Yeah. I don't think he can move up in your rankings, right? He's not. He's not. This this doesn't put him over like no. Justin Poirier or uh, no. My lightweight okay. rankings are going to move by exactly one ch- one spot where Oliveira is going to move in front of Justin Gaethje. Oh, I was gonna. I was. Th- I was wondering if you're going to penalize him for the the weight miss. Cause no, because I, I don't. Still care. Light, you still lightweight. I don't care. Yeah, I don't I care about the weight miss. And I said on either the pre-fight show or something else this week. I don't remember. Uh, it's really stupid because it doesn't matter because lightweight is actually 156 pounds because a vast majority of fights take place yeah. at 156 pounds. So I'm not penalizing for this at all. I truly do not care about this weight miss. <laughs> why does not they do, mean anything why to did me. they? It, why did they do the? Um, it's very dumb. No There's not a good part because it just it's sounds a, better. It just sounds, we, we like to say oh, the, the pound allowance. Why do they not do the pound allowance for the championship fights? Like why? Because because then it's actually supposed to be at the weight that the at the limit of of the division. The one pound yeah. allowance, as far as I am aware, is just a holdover from like wrestling where they do that. Yes, but it's also the one pound allowance is really also dumb. yeah no, but the one pound allowance is also in is actually exactly for situations like this where there might be issues with the scale. That's actually but what there the one were not issues with the scale. First of all. But if there were, well, exactly. As far as we don't know, but I'm let's not, say there were. I'm not playing into that narrative. Well, okay, but, but but I'm saying, and it's, let's say there is a situation where that happened. That's actually what the one pound allowance is for. So it's almost it's really silly not to have it for title fights. Like it just doesn't make sense. I, I get it. We, it just sounds neater. We like to say 155 on the dot. Like that's true. Champions can can make sure to hit that that really hit that mark. But it's like, why? Why? I would <laughs> I would disagree and say that it's actually very silly that we allow it ever but sure like it's just i just don't care because i wouldn't care if you missed by five pounds like he's a lightweight it's fine and i feel like if charles Oliveira had anybody else donning the scale this wouldn't even be a conversation right now and he'd still be the champion because there are fighters there are fighters for sure and i've talked to people who've literally told me that they've seen championship fighters not be at championship weight and oh. then the scale guy is just like all right Cool. You're close like to the guy. Who, but I like, but I like the we're, we're criticizing the, the Arizona Commission for doing their job. I, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not doing that at all. No, no, no. But, right. but, but the other, because yeah. yeah, fighters are used to. A lot to, of people are. Fighters are used to commission guys just. Eh. I just got to get the If you're 155 and a half, you're just like, all right, cool. 155. Let's go. The Fight Island guy was just like, step up the scale. Right? Like when Habib stepped <laughs> on the scale, Fight Island. <laughs> Thanks. Habib's just literally put two feet on the scale and he slammed it home saying 155. We knew he was a 155. It's official. He was. Play, the, play the music. And this is exactly yeah. why in boxing, the, the other corners are always there. And for some reason in MMA, they don't do that. So, uh, Can I just call out Cam Cam in the comments? It says, that's a bad take. It's a 155-pound belt, not 156 belt. So you're okay with someone like doing like weighing in at 156 for all their fights up until the championship fight. Let's say they go on like a 10-fight win streak all at 156, and then they oh, then they have to drop down to 155 for that one fight. Like that's so – it's so dumb. Stupid. But that's just what they do. Just do it one way or do it – 
Yeah. It's just stupid. I mean, just if you're really gonna dumb. do that, if you're gonna do that, just do it every yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. It should be the same. Either no That's allowance it. or the allowance for title fights too. It doesn't. It's a, it's just stupid. And use a goddamn digital scale. It's not the 1930s. No, that's worse because you can't fudge it. Oh, yeah, you're right. No, <laughs> our, our boy, Mark Romandi, we're always like beam scale. Rules. Beam scale because you can lie. The beam scale lies. I feel like AK is just abandoning all of his core principles. Rules no longer rule. <laughs> yeah, what's going on? Martial Ooh. arts can be mixed. It's anarchy out scale. here. I respect the beam scale. If the beam scale says the guy made weight, he made weight. That's anarchy. the rule. I respect it. Uh... I do want to get this. Oh, go ahead, Jed. I I just want to get this off my (laughs) chest. I really don't like how Charles Oliveira has handled all of this, basically. It's, it's, I love the, the lightweight division has a champion and his name is Charles. Like, I think that's a great line, but every, like his, like, absolute disdain for any responsibility for this is just annoying the hell out of me. Like, nah, Wait at this wait at the hotel was good. I made weight on Thursday. Cool. You don't have to you don't have to make weight Thursday. So you've you you didn't do the right thing. How are you a UFC champion? It was not a good weekend for people who are ostensibly supposed to be the best in their divisions. Rose Namahunas like vehemently yelled that, like, oh, I stuffed all our takedowns. I don't get credit for my great defense. Actually, no, Rose, you do not. That is in the rules that that's not scoring criteria. You're a champion and should know that. What are we doing? And it's just everything else about Chucky Olives was great. Undeniable performance. uh, But it is really rubbing me the wrong way that he's just like, you guys are assholes for questioning me. I made weight Thursday. Thursday. And, And I made weight and then, but did it. And then I just didn't have, feel like losing the half pound. Like the truth is, feels really obvious to me. You just couldn't. You had nothing yeah. left to give. And that's just say that. Just say yeah. it. And then I mean, say what we're saying that a half also, pound doesn't make a difference. Let's be honest. He would have a much, much stronger case if he had not missed weight like three times as a featherweight. I get it, different weight class. But for, I always tell people like weight class is one thing, but. I also feel mentality. like it's a mentality thing, right? So he has missed weight many, many times before at a different weight class. This was the first time he ever missed at 155. So let's be clear. But he had missed many, many times at 145. The fact that he took almost the entire two hours, he did show up right at like, – like if you were on weight, why were you not one of the first people to show up? And, and no, during, I was on weight people, Thursday. <laughs> and if people watch the weigh-in, uh, uh, the, li- the replay of the weigh-in uh, chat that we did, the live chat we did, I was like, I was like, I'm sure Charles is fine. He's just taking his time. I know he made, and I really that was just me being like super positive. That was not me thinking critically because it really made like if there, it really made no sense. And then to take almost the entire extra hour and not lose like an ounce of weight is very, very, very strange. So I want to believe the skill story. Didn't have anything else to give. Yeah, I want to believe all this other stuff around it. But it just really doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't hold up. It just doesn't. The story just doesn't hold up that well. I, yeah, I've never all the weigh-ins we've watched. I've never seen someone come back after that hour or whatever and come back the same way. Can you imagine if Norman Dumont left for an hour and came back and still like it just doesn't happen? So yeah, it's it just doesn't exactly, especially when it's a half pound. It's not like he just went back. I was like, you know what? I don't want to cut five pounds. I'll just I'll just eat the L. It's just like nah, can't do a half pound. Sorry. Just say that's fine. Last thing on this, yes. Just, just, just for pride purposes. Go for it. If Charles Oliveira made weight on Thursday, was my pick that he would be the first one to weigh in correct? 
Absolutely. It, it was not sweet. Vindication, <laughs> baby. Vindication. All right. Let's he, take one no, more. Cause he, cause he made weight at the hotel scale, which is apparently the devil or something. Yeah. Uh, Let's Which actually, is not the commission's fault, by the way. Just want to throw that out there. It's not. Nope. Did Trevor fail Rose as a coach tonight? Well, so I want to, I want to, I want to pull up this, uh, this tweet from Eric Nixick from earlier today. I want to get your thoughts on this. Jed, I'll start with you. Eric Nixick tweeted out right after the fight, right before one a.m. Eastern time. "Quote: I feel like Pat Barry cornered that fight like a spouse and not her coach. Maybe that's where you." That's maybe that's where you allow Trevor to take over as essentially the lead, the lead guy shouting out the instructions, doing all this because the guy in the cage was Pat Barry. He was the guy. Now Trevor was gone to a couple different times, but Eric feels like Pat didn't treat this as coach and fighter, but as girlfriend, fiance, husband, wife kind of thing. Um, and he should have allowed Trevor to just come in and, and, and handle things on his own. So your thoughts on the tweet and did, did the coaching staff just fail Rose Jed altogether? I have no idea on the Pat Barry thing, mainly because I can't delineate whether Pat Barry is just not a very good coach, which I think is entirely plausible or if that played a part in it. Um, maybe it could be a mixture of both, but honestly, if you also just hear the way Rose talked about it afterwards, this was their plan, and she felt that she was doing great. So take that for what it's worth. I think my guess is that Trevor Whitman feels he failed Rose. Now, I think this is a loaded question to some degree because coaches know their fighters and how what they will respond to a lot better than we do. And so that is where I really have my most questions about what would have been the best course of action. Because in my head, I would have told her after round one, all right, cool. You have established that this is what we're doing. Now you should actually go try and fight her because this is not fighting. I don't know what it is, but it hurts my eyeballs to watch. Please go do something. And then I would have progressively doubled down on that statement as you are obviously better than her. Stop being afraid that she is going to grab you around the waist and just go bash her brains in. Uh, I, I suspect. Rose probably doesn't respond to me saying that to her in the corner. And so to some extent, I feel like the way Trevor Whitman was saying the things he was saying felt to me a lot like he was trying to urge more activity from her without being aggressive about it and in a way that she would respond to, especially in that uh, kind of – because, you know, after that first round, it's like, yeah, you know, all right, you're doing you've, – you've set the range in here. Now we can open up a little bit more. It was more kind of coaxing her to do stuff than being like, hey, you got to go out and put it on her. And in the fifth round, you heard him say, all right, we're done. Just go out, show the world who you are, let it flow. And to me, that was him saying, dude, go get her ass not saying that because I don't think Rose would probably respond all that well to being yelled at. So I could be all the way wrong, but I feel like he probably thinks he failed her because at the end of the day, the coaches did fail her because they did not prepare her to adequately win this fight. Um, and she failed herself in that same regard, but I don't know how much it actually is. They failed it so much as that's just kind of the dynamics for their relationship and how it had to work out. Can I ask you this, Jed? If they fought mm -hmm. again, if they fought again, would you pick Carla to win this time? Nope. I mean, 
she might because maybe the same thing would happen. But it was very evident to me after the second round that if Rose ever decided to start fighting, she was going to walk all over Carla. And that's like, and things can change. Carla could adjust a strategy or whatever, but it was just really obvious to me, at least watching that the times Carla was getting the engagement she wanted, she wasn't accomplishing anything with them. And so that should make Rose be like, oh, cool. I don't have to worry about you taking me down because I can mostly stop it just in its tracks and I can create the scramble and get back to space and just start teeing off on you. Um, maybe that changes, but I can't. I could not pick against the talent of Rose in a rematch, though. Uh, I won't bet on Rose Namajunas as a champion ever again because she fights way worse when she is a champion than when she's competing for a belt. I think that that is unquestioned at this point. You know what's you know what's really sad uh, of the four people involved <clears throat> in the championship fight on Saturday, the one who had by far the most impressive performance is the one who's not going home with a belt. <laughs> I mean, there's three people not going home with a belt, but one of them should be and is not. <laughs> he he should not be, but yeah, I'll stop it. Rules have to mean something. Well, no, man, you're right, and I don't care because the thing's a fucking yeah. prop anyway. So yeah, well, exactly. He's going home with something more important. He is going to be the number one lightweight in the only rankings that matter. I mean, sure, he's got not a, a few hundred thousand a, dollars less in his bank account, or maybe a million dollars less. Who knows? But uh, yeah, but he is number one ranked. So yeah, good for him. It didn't mean that much to him because he didn't. He made weight Thursday and didn't feel like doing it again so someday someday he'll be number one we're still we're still back in charles missing weight he he will not he will not be because islam is going to kill him he's gonna beat islam and that's gonna bring habib out of retirement and then he's gonna beat habib i have i called this like a year ago i'm standing by it the gears are in motion that would be incredible let me tell you why it won't happen for a number of reasons but specifically hot take alert uh, Charles Oliveira is a much more dangerous striker than he is a grappler. And uh, I did not think about this at all coming into the fight, but he has a very stupid cheat code uh, that when Justin Gaethje hit him, he just fell over. And I was yep. like, all right, come on in. This is like um, Verdum used to do it. When Verdum, like, obviously. It's like beat Fedor. Yeah, I was just saying. Sorry. No, but even, even after the Fedor mm-hmm. thing, because the Fedor thing built this like, all right, oh. you just can't get in his guard. He would just kind of be like, yeah, come on down. And no one would ever do it. So he could do whatever the hell he wanted to on the feet. Yeah. And as soon as he got touched, he just fall over. And even though he's actually not like, Charles Oliveira has been submitted a lot. Paul Felder got in his guard and just elbowed his freaking head in like – it's maybe not the best idea to grapple with him, but he is a much more dangerous grappler when he has hurt you on the feet or is in top position than you being in dominant position and bashing his brains in. But Gaethje wasn't going to play with that fire, mm-hmm. and so it just let Oliveira get a little Cover. bit of break, stand up, and then punch him in the face again. And he's turned into a really, really effective striker. And I, didn't, I, didn't, I think re- that's his best weapon. I didn't realize that until you said it. Yeah, Charles Oliver is a lightweight. Is, is Verdum? Yeah, he's lightweight Verdum. Lightweight Verdum. I, I, you're right. I was like, his, wow. His career is so similar it's to very in the similar way too. that like Verdum All of a sudden, kind became, of built and just became yeah. They were just jiu-jitsu guys, and they were just kind of uh, uneven performances. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, holy crap, are they the best in the world? Also, <laughs> they share a really like the way that Oliver has like 
I think the way he has manifested into this badass is he figured out a really simple thing about MMA. Uh, never walk backwards and you win. Nobody can fight moving backwards in the sport and he just doesn't walk backwards. And so he eats a bunch of shots, but like Gaethje immediately walked backwards and the fight was over. And that's just been how he's fought. And Verdum used to do the same damn thing. He would run across the cage and throw a freaking side jump kick or whatever. Yeah. And, and Stipe finally kind of broke that code when... Because Stipe figured out Stipe can, even though he sucks. Even though he sucks. Clear, <laughs> Stipe can punch people while backwards. walking backwards yeah. and got him. But otherwise, Verdum just walks forward. And that's all Oliveira does. He just walked forward and he yeah. wins. I, I think to sum all that up, it feels like you're saying he's really good at mixing the martial arts. And now I feel attacked. So, Mike, can we just get can we get out of here, Mike? I, I feel attacked Hit now. Hit the music. Yeah. Hit the music. We I think that go. was a lot. That was a lot of words <laughs> to say that he, he mixes the martial. He's really he's gotten really good at mixing the martial arts, and that just offends me. That I'm me. saying, what I'm saying is that Islam Makachev has zero fear of Charles Oliveira off his back, which is the exact correct way to fight him. He should be. He really shouldn't. <laughs> And he is going – he might knock him out on the feet because Chucky gets hit a lot. And then Islam will just follow him down and bash his brains in. I hope this – I can't wait for this fight to happen. But real quick on this question before I hit the music, the answer is yes. He Trevor did fail Rose because as, as the coach, <laughs> you tell your fighter – you are losing rounds. I don't know how these fights rounds are scored, but I cannot guarantee you're winning them. And the fact that they did, they did not tell Rose, you are losing this fight. You have to knock this woman out. That is a failure on the great coach, Trevor Whitman. That's all. And can I say, can I say, Casey, I applaud you not once. Maybe you did it on the post-fight show. I'm not sure. Like, crash fight show. Not once did you mention the words open scoring. I did it on Twitter, no. not, but not here. Not you did it on Twitter, but not on here. God bless you, sir. God bless you. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. We're gonna say, Jen. Are we really not going to talk about Shogun Hua getting robbed? Oh, dude, was that the saddest moment when he thought he won? I, 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 I fighting officially had him winning. Dude, did you, did you actually see like, when they announced the winner? Yeah. Shogun thought it was him, and he raised yeah. his hand. He was like, oh, yeah. it was. Because he should have won. It he was, was robbed. <laughs> Robbery review, AK? Are we going to do a robbery review? Oh, you don't need to do a robbery review. That broke my heart. Look, oh, he man. won that fight, and he I did, don't care. Did, I did. stand by it. Yeah, the Phoenix fans Unless should be AK. themselves for booing Shogun Hua, by the way. Uh, 100%. Okay, we're out of here. AK, I'll see you in six hours, buddy. But in the meantime, good night, or good morning, or good afternoon, yeah. depending on where the hell you're at in the world. Love you all. Even Michael Chandler. Love you, Michael Chandler. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. 
The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, one no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Anthropic. 